brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. Suds, suds, suds. It's time for more suds. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to where everything good in life is worth talking about. This is good old gal Juliana, and joining me today are my co-hosts, good old boy Dave. Hey. Hey. <laughs> good old boy Kendall. It's great to be here. Aw. And good old gal June. Hi. Kendall and June have a blog called Beer Make Three. We'll hear more about that later. Our sud segments are all about beer, beer, and more beer. Today's show is a brewery takeover. We are going to be discussing an exciting brewery from just outside Denver, Colorado called Paradox Beer Company. That's not to be confused with Paradox Brewery in Shroom Lake, New York. I'm sure they're lovely, but we don't have any of their beers. Uh, if we don't have any of their beer, why are we talking about them? We're not talking about them. We're talking about not talking about them. And that makes no sense. That is a paradox. No, I'm pretty sure you're just not making sense. Well, that's one man's opinion. I agree. Uh, me too. Well, that's still just one man's opinion. <laughs> well, maybe we should move on then. Yeah, let's move on. Okay, so Paradox Beer Company, located in Divide, Colorado, here is some information from their website. Meet Paradox Beer Company, where modern brewing processes collide headlong into ancient beer. Every beer that Paradox Beer Company produces is barrel-aged and bottle-conditioned. In 2012, Jeff, Brian, and David not this David, equipped with over 30 years of combined (laughs) professional brewing experience, founded Paradox Beer Company. Paradox Beer Company produces original and rare beers, which honor the uncertainty of nature, bound with rigorous quality testing, providing one-of-a-kind flavors that could only be produced by Paradox. The Rich Mountain Terrier, or something like that, (laughs) has allowed Paradox to harvest... Is that a dog? (laughs) It might be. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry. Um, Has allowed Paradox to harvest, propagate, and now inoculate our beers with our own house-grown Brettanomyces. Oh, yes, the lovely Brett. The brewery Mm. operates with a subterranean production facility in the Colorado Mountains and is currently in the process of doubling its barrel-aging capacity and adding cool ships to further exploit the house terror. (laughs) We craft our beers with a passion for experimentation under one ethos, unflinchingly wayward. I sound like a pirate. (laughs) Arr. (laughs) Paradox beers are lovingly created using a hands-on process that involves painstaking testing for the specific qualities that brewing team seeks in its exceptional beers. Using base recipes developed through the years of experience, each grain bill is explicitly selected by the Paradox Brewing Team. The beer then rests in barrels for a minimum of four months and up to several years before it is carefully blended and infused with the perfect enhancements to arrive at that signature flavor for which Paradox is known. 
the brewers periodically sample every barrel. Well, of course they do. (laughs) To see if more aging is needed and whether it meets high standards for taste and character. Then they select the barrels based on the barrel's unique characteristics to blend and craft the final product. In the spirit of vintage farmhouse brewing techniques originating from Belgium and France, Paradox aims to summon outstanding beers by combining natural, old-world-style brewing processes and complementing them with modern brewing technology. Paradox's wayward beers undergo an exclusive polymicrobial fermentation, say that ten times fast, um, involving a combination of intentional and spontaneous fermentation by the usual suspects, like our friend Pratinomyces, Saccharomyces, Lactobacillus, Pediococcus, as well as indigenous and feral yeasts. I brewed a beer with some periferal yeast once. It's extremely funky. <laughs> We've got seven beers. The first is In the Spirit of Scully, number three. And not to be outdone, In the Spirit of Scully, number four. We also have the Scully Barrel, number 16, Scully Barrel, number 24, Scully Barrel, number 29, and the Scully Barrel, number 30. Also, just for kicks, there's no number, but we have Curious Orange Hell for Stout, which might be one of the best beer names ever. (laughs) It'd be better if it was Curious George. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We'll save that for later. Thanks, Kendall. Hey, go to Gal June. Would you mind reading the Suds ratings for us today? Sure. We'll be tasting and discussing these beers and rating them with these Suds ratings plus our signature belching sounds. Here are those ratings now. Suds ratings. Number one. That sucks. Give me anything but a bud. Number two. Was that a belch? Number three. Ah, what a relief. Number four, a body should really not make that sound. And number five, listen to that hang time, give me another. Wow, that hurt my ear. (laughs) Great job, June. So, let's get to some beer. We have tasted all seven beers, and each person has picked their top three. Or three-ish. Three, three-ish. Three-ish. Yeah. Somewhere between three and seven. <laughs> and that was a very tough job today. Up first is good old boy Kendall. Boy, they're also delicious, so it was hard to pick. But I just want to say, great job. That was the first time June's ever done the Suds ratings, and she didn't screw it up Yay. like most people. So. Yay! I'm a professional. Very well done. Um... I've got to start with uh, the beer that caught my attention first. They're all fantastic when you read the descriptions of them. But that would be the Scully Barrel Number 30, the Gosa Aged on Watermelon. And what a delicious beer. Well, let's talk about the Scully Number 30. Um, It was inspired by the Goza style of salted sour beers. The Sour Mash Golden Ale was aged next in white wine barrels then it spent an extended time aging on generous amounts of watermelon juice which comes through in the nose and on the palate the result is tart dry and luscious like a ripe salted chunk of watermelon in a glass and a lot of watermelon beers are kind of odd because Mm -hmm. watermelon's a delicate flavor it's hard to get a lot of it out and sometimes they taste more like a watermelon jelly rancher 
than the actual fruit. Maybe the key is pairing it with a sour. So I think yeah, that helps. Cut the sweetness. So the first thing I mean that hit me with this is just great watermelon uh, flavor and aroma and the salinity. I, you could even smell it. It was just a fantastic goza. And the watermelon was so um, perfect. I thought it was uh, neither over, overwhelming or underdone, and it didn't taste fake. The other thing I liked about it was um, just it, it, it was almost a perfect combination of both sweet and tart. So it's like you had the very, if you were a kid with the perfect sweet tart candy that was watermelon flavor, that's what this would taste like. So a great sweet and tart combination going on. And then it fades to this super dry tart aftertaste. And it, it gets really dry in the finish. And it's just so refreshing. I could drink a lot of this on a hot day. Too bad there's probably not a lot of this. Um, probably very small production runs, but... That Sully number 30 with the watermelon was fantastic. So what was your rating? That one's going to get a five from me. Ooh. Ooh. Big bench. Very cool. So moving on to your second top three. My second of my top three-ish is the Sully Barrel, or the Scully Barrel, number 24. Have I been mispronouncing those, or That's did I just right. we were blow at that time? We were going <laughs> to laugh at you later. Yeah, no. Um, A.K.A. The Cherished 2015, which was released in February of 2015. Oh, that makes sense. Um, from their description, dark chocolate, dark cherries, and dark malts. Get it? It's dark. Um, combined to deliver this homage to the chocolate cherry griots of the french comte region i probably said that wrong i'm sorry france bordeaux wine barrel aging rounds out the heavy roast and contributes venous flavors that support the tart fruit notes on the deep red cherries take your tongue on a decadent journey with each sip <laughs> that sounds nasty that sounds kind of dirty yeah. <laughs> a bit yeah. where is barry white when you need him we're doing a <laughs> promo for the spice channel or <laughs> The thing that I liked about this beer were how those flavors work together. And it was kind of the opposite first impression. When I read through the descriptions, I knew I was going to love 30. I mean, how can you not love a watermelon goza? But the description for this one said basically like a chocolate cherry aged uh, you know, in Bordeaux wine barrels. I was thinking, I'm not going to like this beer. But it really works. Um, so they the, tricked you. They did trick me. And the <laughs> chocolate cherry flavor is delightful it tastes like a delicious chocolate cherry not one of the cheap ones you get at christmas time but so uh so rich and the cherry is very subtle and uh, you get i was getting a little bit of even the oak from the the bordeaux wine barrel yeah absolutely. Um, not a lot of oak or, or but just a touch of it with a little vanilla and there was also a little light tartness to it and all of that worked together to make just a great beer. And it's not as dark as the description scenes. It's more of like a rich, deep copper color. Hmm. And just a beautiful beer with a really complex um, flavor. Loved it. And what'd you give it? That's a four. Uh, uh. We'll be right back after this break.
Welcome back, everyone. Today we are essentially doing a brewery takeover with Paradox Brewing Company. And Kendall was in the middle of his discussion of his top three-ish beers. What is number three-ish? The number three-ish beer, actually my third, is in the spirit of Scully number four. Hmm. Okay. A.K.A. the ladies' the man. Ladies the ladies man. man. Why didn't they just call it Dave? or not (laughs) this was released in March 2015 it is brewed with Chardonnay grape juice and aged in rare cognac barrels this hybrid ale pays tribute to the renowned spirit of the French vineyard balanced aromas of grape skin and clover are followed by oaky vanilla and a melange of fruity esters hinting at pear white peach and apricot The velvety mouthfeel reveals warm honey and light floral notes as it finishes. This is one of those beers that if somebody says, I'm a wine person, I don't like beer, I would give them this. Especially if they were big Chardonnay fans because, wow, um, that's so many of those characters, uh, characteristics of a great Chardonnay. And I should know because I've got a friend who calls me Kendall Joseph Chardonnay. (laughs) That's my full name. (laughs) But of course. <laughs> cool. So what did you give it? Um, I'm giving this one a four. And uh, let me tell you why. Please. And then you're going to tell us why they call you Kendall Joseph Chardonnay. <laughs> well, you know, there's a, there's a Kendall, Kendall Jackson. Something. Kendall Jackson Chardonnay. Oh. I was hoping for something more, you know, <laughs> something. <laughs> no, it's not that funny, but <laughs> it's weird being called that all the time. Anyway. Um, yeah, great. Just th- that Chardonnay flavors there, except what's different about this is there's a nice tartness to it. Um, kind of a medium level tartness that yeah. really kicks in, which you're not going to get from a Chardonnay. It's probably just the opposite. You're going to get more of that creamy, almost buttery flavor um, that you're going to get from the Chardonnay, which is interesting because that creamy butter flavor in a Chardonnay is not desirable in a beer, but wow, it, it works in a wine. It does. But this has those great uh, white wine flavor, aroma. It's just so delicious. And uh, also got a little peach out of it, a little bit of honey. And it was yeah. very sweet uh, in the middle, but then it gets dry. Really right at the very end. Dry yeah. at the very end. And so it's just it's a really nice drinking beer that I would love to give to friends who said they only like wine. Because I think we could convert them with this one. Oh, totally, totally. We should have given good old gal Dawn some of this. Yeah, she might have liked it. Yeah. Oh well, Dawn, we're thinking of you. <laughs> so, um, up next is good old gal June. Oh, oh no, it's June, my honorable no. mention. Oh, he's, honorable he's mention. He's got his three B. He did three A. <laughs> okay, three point five. Yeah. I do want to give a quick shout out to um, the other beer um, in the spirit of Scully number three. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that one was released in March 2015, so just like The Spirit of Scully number 4. Um, each year, we are inspired to produce a whiskey barrel-aged feral stout that complements the character of freshly emptied barrels and our farmhouse yeast blend. This time, they were fortunate to acquire Colorado whiskey barrels that had notes of sweet caramel, robust oak, and crisp Rocky Mountain water. Yeah, I'm not sure what a feral stout is, but I like this. And I would give it a four as well. I think it's, you know, something that 
if it bit you, you'd have to go get rabies shots. Most likely. Probably, yeah. 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 So what I, you know, I really wanted to give this one my honorable mention because uh, the other beers we had from Paradox were great too, but this one, it was really hard to make the cut at just three because I really enjoyed this. It is a big, rich stout with a lot of roast, chocolate, coffee. But what I loved is when I first smelled it, just this huge, almost earthy, woodsy aroma came at me. And I'm still getting a little bit of that, but there's a little bit of the oak and just a hint of the whiskey barrel in this. Um, And, you know, whiskey barrel stouts are dime a dozen these days. Everybody's doing one, and a lot of them aren't that great. Um, But this one... Everything works really well, and I just want to give it a shout-out. They throw in those funky wild yeasts. It's the it, feralness to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, the it's the feral that makes it good. Virility. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, we'll leave you to what, think about that, what Dave. What June said. <laughs> and now, back to June. Help us yes. out here. Right. Let's Save talk us, about some beer. <laughs> Pull us out of this, June. All right. Um, my number one was actually the number 24, the Cherished. And this sounds might sound weird, but like to me it kind of tasted like wine mixed with cherry cola, hmm. which doesn't sound like it would be good, but... It was. I don't know. I think like, that's like, really good. I liked it. Yeah, yeah you How got those they, uh, cherry it, notes. Really? Well, we discussed it before. Did we? Yeah. Were you yeah. paying attention? No. Yeah, really. Wake up, Dave. I got there's numbers, so I thought it was something else. Whatever, dude. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Jen, help. <laughs> <laughs> Had the good, the good cherry notes there at the front. Um, finished with a little bit of chocolate there at the end, and just it was, it was yummy. I like that one. Cherry cola wine. Cherry cola wine. White wine or red wine? Red wine. Okay. Yeah. Red wine. That makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. White wine and cool. cherry cola does not sound good. So what'd you give it? Um, I actually give that one a five. Whoa. Yeah. Oh. Watch out. for the fences right off the bat. She oh. really like this. <laughs> well, so big. what's uh, number two? Number two would be the ladies' man. Uh, of course. Four, yeah. yeah. Always come back to me. <laughs> always comes back to the ladies. Makes me remember good old Tim Meadows on Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The ladies, the ladies man. man. The Colossier. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. And that, one, and that one had the good grapey flavor, too. The, yeah. the white wine flavor and like the, the stone fruit, um, which I really did like that. A little bit of the oaky vanilla. Um, but yeah. And like and Kendall was saying, you know, it starts out a little bit sweet, but finishes nice and dry. So. Um, I'll give that one a four. Cool. Uh, uh, uh. Mm. And then what's your third third of the three thirds? My my third third is I'm going to go with the uh, the watermelon gosa. Ooh. That one was was awesome. Uh, salty Jolly Rancher. <laughs> um, it was. Yeah, but yeah, that one that one tasted like summer. Tastes like summer to me. So almost a. Um, a connoisseur's version of a lawnmower beer. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. If yeah. I if I cut the lawn, which I don't. But <laughs> that's okay. But you can enjoy it while but I'll, 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 I'll enjoy it while Kendall cuts the lawn. There you go. <laughs> we we share chores. Kendall, other things I won't do. Hurry up and finish the lawn when you can get some of this beer. <laughs> we see who can finish first, the lawn mowing or the drinking of the gosa. <laughs> cool. Wow. I bet he gets through that yard pretty fast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, especially when um, the nice cold goes is in steak. Yeah. So, so I give that one a four as well. Uh, uh, 
Cool. Hey, Dave. What? Let's talk about your beer. So, what's number one for well, you? Well, I only had seven uh, in my top three, so oh. I'll start <laughs> alphabetically. Okay. Let me uh, rearrange my notes here. Alphabetically or numerically? Uh, letters, numbers, what's the difference, really? <laughs> if you don't know either one. Um, I'm going to start at 16. Oh, uh, yeah, number 16. It is a citrus sour created with their sour mash process and infused with citrus peel. This Scully number 16 is an assertively citrus sour at 6.9%. Yeah, it's really good. Um, So just for the benefit of all the uh, millions of listeners out there (laughs) who may not be brewers, Kendall, you're the most experienced brewer at the table. Would you kind of briefly explain sour mashing? (laughs) and totally through that. I would not say I am the most experienced brewer. I think Juliana is, and uh, yeah, sour mashing is still a concept I totally don't understand. So, how about explain to me, then I'll explain it back. Cool. So, (laughs) typically, what happens is uh, when uh, so what they'll do is they'll they'll take some. part of the uh, first runnings and they'll expose it to uh, lactobacillus uh, or other bacteria and sour it and then they'll introduce it into the mash tun to actually sour the entire uh, mash Uh, then what happens is you can safely uh, put it into the boil kettle and you're going to kill off any of the bacterias but the sourness is already set in so you can actually it actually is good for like if you wanted to make a hoppy sour Mm -hmm. because then you you get sort of a one-dimensional sour flavor um but you because hops inhibit bacterial growth or whatever so uh you can still get your sourness and get your hoppiness too yeah and you're not going to infect your entire brew house that way exactly that's the other part brilliant yeah so, so how long does that process take to sour? I mean, you said they take it out and they put it back in the mash. I think they they what they'll do is they take a small part and it's like twenty four to forty eight hours. I okay. don't know. That's why I said, Hey Kendall, why don't you explain it instead <laughs> of Hey Kendall, why don't you trick me into explaining it? So I thanks. thought I played that well. Kind you of did. Jerk. You did. <laughs> Bonus points, dude. Bonus points. Yeah. I don't have a sound effect for me flipping you off. <laughs> <laughs> if I did, I'd be playing it right now. <laughs> Anyways, um, so 16, here's me tasting it, (laughs) and here's what I taste. So it's sweet in the beginning, there's honey, um, and then a strong flavor of citrus like lime juice or something. Um, It's very refreshing. I think this is a good lawnmower beer, and I do mow the lawn, so (laughs) bam. Um, but, uh, I, I just, I find it to be a crisp, very refreshing beer. Uh, it's got a hint of sweetness to it, but I do think it, it overall, it is very citrusy, uh, has great flavors. I give this one a four. Uh, that was profound. <laughs> that was profound. 
Yeah, it didn't make my top three ish, but it was good. I did enjoy I, it. I gave that one my three point five. Okay. See. So. All right. That's pretty good. Cool. Uh, what's next, boss? I don't know. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I can only think about one beer at a time. Oh, okay. So then the second one was the Scully number twenty nine. Ooh. Ooh. Look at you getting all puckery here. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's the Tamarind and Lime Sour that was released in June of 2015. Each tamarind pod holds a sticky, sweet, and sour fruit pulp that contains a complex flavor combination reminiscent of sun-dried apricots, lemon zest, and dark, rich dates. To complement the tang of the tamarind, Get it? Tang. Tamarind. <laughs> We've added a hint of lime. Paired it with our wine barrel-aged sour red ale. The result is both refreshingly balanced and deceptively decadent. Deceptive. I, I, I was totally fooled by it. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, um, I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of like the other one. It's, it's sour, obviously, but... Uh, there are hints of sweetness, but uh, the lime is what really comes out strong for me, um, which is a kind of a distinct citrus flavor from what you taste in a lot of beers because, you know, everybody's talking about grapefruit or lemon or orange or pineapple or mangoes or pineapple citrus. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sort of. Ish. Yeah, for, Ish. For purposes of right now, yes. Um, but anyways, but, you know, nobody ever says anything about the lime. You know, what's wrong with lime? Bud Light Lime. (laughs) Wow. That's unspeakable. (laughs) And so it was nice having June on the show, but unfortunately she has to go. Be invited back now. It's funny. I I actually got lemon out of this more than the lime. Um, You just had to go against me, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But you're you're right. The lime is there. And it's it's also a good tart. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's very uh, sweet tartish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they gave this to kids, probably be a lot. <laughs> is there tang in a lot there more as naps? Well? Tang. <laughs> I'm not touching that. <laughs> <laughs> so would you give this? <laughs> <laughs> Kendall wrecked this show again. <laughs> <laughs> I gave this one a four. Uh, a four uh, one. <laughs> it went. It's Derek. good. We're okay. Cool. So. And I only had three beers because I know how to do a top three, <coughs> like some people. <laughs> um, uh, this one has been talked about before today and has been talked about on the show on previous episodes. It was one of our top beers of 2015. It was one of our top GABF beers of 2015. It'll probably be a top beer of 2016. And maybe even 2027 20, <laughs> before I'm still here doing this show then. Uh, Scully number 30, the salted watermelon goza, was my number one numero uno special guy favorite beer of the flight. Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> that was okay. <laughs> and... Oh, that you wasn't enough? Gave it That wasn't what? effusive enough? So I gave this beer uh, a five. And let me just say, if we had a six, or maybe a seven, I would have given it that. Wow. Because wow. it's that good. Okay. I mean, okay. just the sheer 
um, challenge of, and Kendall touched on this, the sheer challenge of bringing the flavor of watermelons Mm -hmm. effectively to a beer where it's good and complimentary. I've had watermelon wheats, um, which Mm. I don't think are the right medium for that flavor. Um, Watermelon doesn't need something to accentuate the sweetness of it. It needs some uh, a tart counterbalance, um, and this does it really well. And I think salt being a flavor enhancer really, uh, really accentuates what is a light flavor, but it brings the watermelon to the forefront. Do you salt your watermelon when you when you eat watermelon? Hey, that's kind of a personal question. <laughs> That was not a euphemism. It's uh, family friendly here, buddy. <laughs> but yes, I salt my watermelon. Guess I can get someone to salt it for me. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I, I I'm, think people are probably what about fifty fifty. I don't salt watermelon, but I, I know either. a lot of people do. I go both ways. <laughs> I've heard that about you. <laughs> so yeah, Yowza. I, I think. Uh, yeah, what were we talking about? <laughs> yeah, salting anyways. your watermelons. Salting your watermelons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna just cut this right now. <laughs> Juliana, how about mm-hmm. your top seven? Okay, I know you didn't stop at three. <laughs> no, I. You know, okay. Let me just <laughs> let me just say this. I I really am impressed with Paradox and. Um, I mean, I've been a fan of them for a couple of years since first meeting them and meeting their beers at GABF um, our first year. But, you know, what I like about them is that you've got this balance of really nice barrel-aged beers. You've got this and this nice balance of approachable yet hard-to-make beers, too. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So, um I just want to give a shout out to them, you know, in saying that they, they cover all. Exactly. That was kind of a shout out. out. It was a whoop. I don't know what that <laughs> was. Yeah. Woot. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, to be able to, to make different styles like this and do them all so well, going from, you know, extreme with the gozes, um, you know, to light sours to the barrel age beers, I'm really. I mean, I'm really impressed. Um, that being said, I think the first one that I want to talk about is the number 30 that everyone knows and likes. And um, we've talked about, well, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's an amazing beer. beer. Yeah, it's, it's a great, great hard beer. Hard to ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't ignore sure. the watermelon. And like everyone else, I gave it a five. <laughs> And we'll discuss this more in just a minute.
Hey, welcome back. And we were talking about Paradox Brewing Company and that wonderful number 30. So, Dave, do you remember the first time we had that number 30? I don't remember what happened three minutes ago. (laughs) Okay. Well, I remember the first time that I had that. And I know we've discussed it before, but this beer is so good that we need to talk about it just one more time. Um, at GABF, we saw the line for uh, Paradox, and we were like, well, hey, what's going on? And everyone's talking about this watermelon goza. And we're like, watermelon goza? Is that even possible? And then we tried it, and it's like the heavens opened up. And, and it was possible. And out poured this beer. And wow. And then we saw the picture of the watermelons, and then it was all over. And then we, I think we stopped by at least seven, eight, twenty times at I don't that think booth. We left actually for <laughs> until like it ran an hour. out. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, so that was number one for me. It was a huge mountain of watermelons. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, quite the picture. I wish I still had it. Like, anyways, two million pounds yeah. of watermelons. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, at least. I know it started with a two and ended with a zero. <laughs> so I'm, I'm fuzzy on the number of zeros in the middle, but <clears throat> two million sounds right. Sure, sure. Okay, so moving on to my number two, um, I'm going to go with the number 24, which um, is the cherished. Ooh. Yeah, and what a beautiful beautiful beer i mean talk about a dessert beer you know for people who absolutely yeah for people who think that you know beers are just crisp and astringent and whatever i mean this is this with a slight slice of dark chocolate cake yes i mean there's nothing better than that anyways I really, really enjoyed this. And, you know, to have all that roastiness and then, like, a true cherry flavor and not one of those, you know, like you were talking like about. medicine flavor. Yeah, yeah. There's so many that do that that are just mm-hmm. really gross. Yeah. Um, this one was just a very smooth cherry. And hats off to you guys for, for that flavor because it just blended so well and was such a beautiful beer. I gave this one a four. Uh, uh, yeah. And then the last ones. You okay. I want to discuss. <laughs> oh, jeez. Everybody get a comfortable seat. <laughs> no, it's the spirit of Scully's. I really couldn't pick between the three and the four. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. they're with you. completely different. Yeah. But again, they're just both beautiful. Um, as a refresher, one of them is the the whiskey barrel aged feral stout. That was number three, and then number Feral. four Feral. was the Chardonnay grape juicy cognac barrelly brilliance. Um, is cognacy a word? It is it now. Is now. <laughs> cognacy barn barnhouse. Barnyard, yeah. Yeah. No, Barnhouse is the Barnhouse. Sudsism. Funkhouse. Whatever. Quaffable. I, was this beer quaffable? Uh, both of them were very did quaffable. You quaff I did. You quaffed them, didn't you? I quaffed. <laughs> Such a quaffer. And then I quaffed again. Oh. You're a repeat quaffer. Quaffaholic. Ooh, quaffaholic. I'm turning <laughs> into a quaffaholic. Yeah. There you go. But, I mean, for them being completely different flavor profiles 
and I'm not really much of a wino yet. That's the one segment of spirits I just, I, I haven't wrapped my head around yet. I mean, I'm working on it, though. I'm just getting comfortable enough with beer, and I'm getting comfortable with my whiskeys and my tequilas. But wine has always been this um, elusiveness just because I, I can't tell the difference between grapes yet. Someday, maybe. But um, the number four with the Chardonnay was, I mean, just absolutely stunning. Absolutely stunning. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, if all wine could be like that, I'd be fine. If all wine was like that, all wine would be a beer. <laughs> well, there That's you go. That's not a bad idea. That's I could live with that. I, yeah. I'd be okay with that. Oh, I'm not that. saying it's a bad thing. I mean, yay. Just saying. And then... Can't go to France. <sighs> and then number three, I, I mean, whatever feralness means, um, I, I'm, I'm down. I'm so, so down. It was just, I, I, I need to make a beer like this. I really you gotta do. You got to get some feral things. Start, start raising some ferals in your backyard. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes me want to try some Colorado whiskey now, too, to see what it was before it became this. Because um, it's got just a really interestingly caramely vanilla y flavor um you know that i'm that you don't typically see in a, a lot of whiskeys so um I, I next time i go out to denver i'm gonna need to hunt October. this down oh yeah there's that um gabf madness i'm gonna have to try it so for both of these yeah you go, oh you're gonna do a twofer are you gonna rate them both at once yeah That's i am awesome. and i'm gonna give them both a four Thanks. That is efficient. Okay. So um, we talked about six out of the seven of the beers um, that we had in this flight. And I just want to give a brief shout out to the, the poor little guy that we didn't really talk about. Curious um, George. Yes. <laughs> it is Curious Orange Hell for Stout. It's an Imperial American Stout, uh, part of their non-fatal soul stout project. There really wasn't a lot of information on this. Um, I think it was just a one-off that was produced. But, um, guys, what did you think about this beer? Okay, um, not all at once. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to figure out if there's supposed to be orange in the beer. Is that what I'm getting? I, the thing that really stood out more to me was more like a coconut and a little bit of chocolate. Yeah, me too. Um, it smells a little bit orangey. Yeah, I got a little bit of an orange smell. But I'm just wondering if somewhere in this beer, um, you know, maybe the one that we got just was more like almost rindy, more than peely. You know what I mean? Because I don't, I don't necessarily taste any orange like oils that you would normally get. No, and it just. You know, it's almost vegetally mm -hmm. something. Yeah, a little, a little you saying this was a pith boar beer? Oh, boo! Ooh. Wow. One of the things on, I noticed dude, that wow. was gold. <laughs> when I first, when we first opened it, I thought it was getting some, you know, orange in the nose. But as that's warmed up and we've been sitting here, that's totally disappeared, and I'm not picking that up anymore. I just had chocolate in the front and sour in the back. <laughs> As one does. <laughs> As one my, does if you're Dave. That was my note. <laughs> okay, then. Well, with the exception of that one beer, I think we can I mean, all I say don't that this fight beer was good. Was, yeah, I don't think that beer was terrible. No. I mean, it was, no. it was a good beer. No. It just it wasn't, 
one of the better ones. I mean, somebody had to be the, you know, somebody had to be the Dave of the group. <laughs> right, let's, just, let's just get it out there. We all know what we're thinking. So. Yeah, it's just not as stellar as the others. And that mm. that's kind of a testament to how great Paradox is. Yeah. yeah. That, you know, this, uh, most everything they did was just a great beer. And I think we've had that one in our cellar for longer than the others. Maybe. And that may so have that had, have been a part uh, of you know, yeah. now usually an Imperial Stout will keep, will keep, but will, will also develop, you know, over time. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it, gets better you yeah know. and if there was some delicate citrus in that that's definitely be gonna gone. fade yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it, it was probably our fault so maybe we'll take the blame curious orange you're still great okay <laughs> yes it's, it's us it's not you yes it's us <laughs> well since we have a couple of minutes left um i wanted to talk about this whole subterranean brewing underground facility thing yeah and you know without going into um you know area 51 ish type of territory yeah what do they mean by that (laughs) exactly (laughs) any thoughts guys never (laughs) (laughs) well you know like norad is out there in colorado they're buried under a mountain so is that is that oh, like just, they snuck in the back door and are about, making beer in there think about this, so, so if you were a high-powered government agency and you were preparing for a nuclear confrontation and you were going to have to put all of the highly important people underground to protect them would you not want them to have great beer yeah, just yeah, build a brewery. So yeah. then you've got this underground facility right next to your underground facility. Boom, you got your beer. You know what? So now that's making me wondering. So in that spirit of Scully with the feral yeast, Area 51, mm-hmm. Norad. I think it's alien yeast. I'm wondering. Ooh. <laughs> Could it be from Uranus? <laughs> that's pretty funky. It would be very funky. Very funky. That's some funky beer. Well, but aren't there other breweries, though, that have cavey places or subterranean places? Yeah, there's other examples of subterranean brewing or at least subterranean aging. Um, Underneath Grand Rapids, Michigan, is a cave or actually a mine that was an old gypsum mine 85 feet below the city. And it's pretty interesting, you know, in prehistoric times, that was a ocean. And I saw uh, in a news report, the guy actually quoted, uh, I'm quoting him, he said, it was a bazillion years ago. So it's a long time ago, it was an oh, ocean. Wow. And uh, it was a gypsum mine, and now it's been cleaned out and it's used for storage by the state of Michigan, other food producers. I think there's some people making some cheese down in there. But <laughs> mm, founders... Underground cheese. <laughs> <laughs> is taking barrels of KBS down this freight elevator and aging KBS down there in the gypsum mine. Okay, so let me make sure I understood this correctly. This was a gypsy mine? So that's where, like, fortune tellers come from? Yeah, they get the crystal balls from the mine. Wow. That's weird. From the gypsum. Yeah. Yeah. And convert it to clear glass. (laughs) They came from Romania. Weird. Oh. Those are the other gypsies. Oh, bitch. So, All yeah, right. it's pretty interesting. It's in a gypsum mine. And historically, it's not that weird to have beer in a, in a cave. No, yeah. Right. right. Like no. my home state's brewery, Yingling. 
Yingling puts beer underground? Yes. That's wow. a hole. <laughs> if you, hole what, if, if someone <laughs> digs it, it's a hole. If nature makes it, it's a cave. Wasn't there nature like some Kevin Bacon movie about yes. that? A <laughs> uh, hole runs through it. <laughs> that, that's a different nice. movie. If you dig it, they will come. Oh, um, wow. So, okay. yeah, tell me about what Yingling does with their underground beer. We're now coming into the famous Yingling Caves. They were dug in the mid-1800s, all by local coal miners. And the purpose was to age the beer, lager the beer at a long, slow process. Here's one of the old storage tanks right here behind us. You don't have a full appreciation for the tunnels that were dug underneath this brewery until you actually go down and experience it. I love the caves. I think they're unique. I think there's so much history. You know, DG was down there and Frederick and Frank. I mean, there's the history here. This is the old spiral staircase that we cut out right here. And I'm guessing these gentlemen were down here in the racking cellar. Above them is the filtration room and the storage beer where they sent it down these pipes. The same light bulb is still hanging here. It's pretty amazing to think that we work in the same place these guys worked in 150 years ago. We even have the same rubber boots. Well, from what I can remember, um, they use their caves to age their beers way back in the day. and. I think they even hid some of their beers, too, during Prohibition, and then the feds came in walled off an area. But that's the biggest draw to part of the Yingling Brewery Tour, is going down into the caves and, you know, looking at how they used to age their beer. And that that's just a continuation of that German tradition. I mean, the, the yeah. idea of cave-aging beer goes back probably four or 500 years. I mean, it's the start of lagering. They would put it in the cave for the summertime, let it set, mellow, age, while the hot months passed, and then they would have great beer to drink in the fall. Well, and that's, yeah, there was no refrigeration, so you had to find a cool, dry place, or at least a cool, temperature-controlled place to put put it, you know, whatever I'm trying to say, you know. Yeah, especially when you got... Things. Barrels and barrels of beer to store. Yes. Oh. And lagering is German, isn't it? To store, basically. It is. So yes. yeah, it's it's a been around a long time. So going beer, taking beer underground is not a new thing. And true that more yeah. people should be doing it. I think they should. So start digging start holes. Digging holes. Let's, let's go dig a hole. All right. <laughs> Put beer in it. Okay. Anything else you guys want to discuss? I don't know. Um, so, feral. We've been talking about feral <laughs> yeast. And there's been a lot of intense debate about feral yeast. Now, I once... So, when uh, when I was a kid, my dad worked at uh, a large factory. And he brought home a feral cat <laughs> that they had captured... <laughs> That had lived in the uh, factory and would not be around people. 
and they called it a feral cat. So, and I know that in Florida they have feral hogs. So something tells me feral probably means uh, untamed, un uh, unhindered un, uh, by man's touch. So is this just a fancy name for wild yeast? Yes. I'm thinking so. Okay, but it sounds but way cooler. Sounds badass, dude. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. it's wild yeast. Whoa, whoa, wild yeast. Whoa, Nars is feral yeast. It'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's how they get down at Paradox. Why does feral remind me of like poop and that and that funky <sighs> beer with the with the um poop beer? Yeah. That that breakfast stout thing. That we had once. Poop and it was like Evil Twin know. or McKellar. It was like that mirror, that sunken, that cat poop. No, you're oh, talking about the, the coffee. coffee. Mirror yeah, cat. the cat yeah. poop coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I know, random. Okay, well, fine. I guess they're feral. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so their poop would be feral because the beans they eat are feral. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of ferility. <laughs> Okay, guys, let's wrap this up. So we hope you enjoy this episode and you can catch all of our episodes online as well as SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, PRX, and Spreaker, our native media host. iTunes and our own Android app are the easiest ways to enjoy the show on your phone. Just search for Sip Sud Smokes on iTunes or in the Google Play Store. We love your feedback and you can reach us online at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Our daily tasting notes flow out on Twitter flow out on Twitter every day at Sip, Suds, and Smokes, and our Facebook page is buzzing with lots of news. Do us a favor and take the time to rate this episode if you're listening to us online. That's a big help to us, and we get to see your feedback as well. Kendall and June, why don't you tell us about your blog? Uh, we just blog about good beer and try to spread the word uh, to people who maybe haven't heard it yet at beermix3.com, also on Twitter and Facebook. I want to thank our co-hosts, good old boy Dave. Bye. Good old boy Kendall. It was a pleasure. And good old gal June. See you next time. See you next time in another episode. This has been a one-tan-hand production of Sip, Suds, and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time.